Holy Gospel for the first Sunday in Lent comes from St. Matthew, the fourth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the gospel of our Lord. may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So let me ask you, how's your Lent going? Is it very Lenty this year? You know? It's only been a few days, I understand. It takes a little while to get things going. Uh, but I'm wondering, uh, how, how's it going with giving up something for Lent? That's the American way, right? To give up something. And so I thought I would help you this morning, if you haven't thought of anything yet, to give up for Jesus. Uh, I, I have a list for you. It's a top ten list. I borrowed some of them from the Babylon Bee, so please forgive me. Um, But I made some changes because it was getting a little too political on one side of the aisle, so I decided to be an equal opportunity offender. Um, But 10 easy things, easy things for you to give up for Lent. 10 easy things. You can pick one or five. It's it's really up to you. Uh, Number 10, leg day at the gym. I don't think Jesus was worried about leg day at the gym. Number nine, packing school lunches. We all know you hate doing it. So if you just stop doing that, then just by proxy, your kids are giving up something for Lent. Two birds, one stone. We're we're going here. Uh, Number eight, Russian vodka. It's a bad habit, right? But in some way, you're also standing in solidarity with Ukraine, so it kind of works. Uh, Number seven, the harpsichord. Beethoven called, wants his music back. That'd be an easy one to give up for Lent. Number six, one of my favorites, uh, laughing when your child or grandchild does something and gets hurt when you told them not to do it. Let's face it, that one's impossible. You'd be aiming for sainthood with that one. So, so you can hold on to that one. That's okay. You don't need to give that one up. That's the only reason why you have kids anyways. Uh, number five, 
Uh, this is for a lot of the men in the room. Pretending you have to go to the bathroom so you can have some peace and quiet on your smartphone for 20 minutes. Uh, you're not fooling anyone, just to let you know. Oh, man. Just ask my wife. Um, number four, helping out around the house. If you give that up, then your spouse or your kids have to pick up the slack. It helps them with their work ethic. Again, two birds, one stone. Takes care of it. Now, this is my personal favorite. Number three, flossing. Then you have a religious excuse to give to your dentist when he asks, so why don't you floss? Well, Jesus. There you go. Uh, number two, invading other countries. I'm looking at you, Vlad, if you're watching, please. And the number one easiest thing to give up for Lent this year, giving up because no one likes a quitter. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, <laughs> These are meant to be funny in part because Lent is one of the silliest seasons in the church year, in part because of what we make of it. Uh, if you take the time to peruse social media or talk to you know, the average American church goer as we approach Lent, usually the question is, so what are you giving up for Lent? And the most common answers are uh, chocolate, coffee, alcohol, TV, social media, and swearing. Some of you need Jesus a lot over these next few weeks because I've heard you talk. Um, maybe even the pastors need Jesus. I don't know. Depends on the week. Um, but it sounds like a nice list, right? It sounds like a list grandma would approve of. But what we make of Lent is usually just New Year's Resolution 2.0, oftentimes. It didn't work the week after January 1st, so here comes this 40 days that I can try it out just one more time, because I'll get it right this time, as though Jesus needs your chocolate, your silence on Facebook, or you to clean up your language or else. Uh, those are the reruns that we play in our head all the time, whether we think about it consciously or not. We try and try to do something different, to be something different, to make of ourselves something more. If we can stop wasting time on our phones, reading things on the internet, watching television, maybe we can uh, make more time to have a better relationship with God, which means he'll love us more, which means we're in. We've got our way to, to eternal life in heaven. Well, Sarah Condon, an Episcopal priest writing for Mockingbird Ministries this week, wrote this passage, which I think does a good job of summing up Americans' problems with Lent and what Lent should be. She writes, I quote, All too often, Lent becomes another self-improvement project and a second chance to try out your New Year's resolutions. In our neatly laid out 40-day plan, we aim to make the world a better place. We, who have washed the same load of laundry three times because we keep forgetting to put it in the dryer, we who have eaten cereal for dinner because we're terrified of the grocery store, we who yell too much at the people we love, we will make the world a better place, just like Jesus withstood the temptations of the devil. Yeah, sure thing, she says. Or worse still, we hope to make our bodies a better place. Nothing makes me sadder than a Lenten discipline that involves a diet. God does not want your carbohydrates or your sugar. God wants you. 
I often wonder if all of the hand-wringing about what to give up or take on is just a way to distract ourselves from what is ultimately happening at Lent. Lent is a season for grief and weakness, and if you are not feeling one of those things, then you might be feeling both. Lent is not telling us to fix what is wrong with us. It is telling us that we cannot. It is a season when it is okay to admit that kneeling in a cavernous church is the most honest posture you can take, and that even the slightest bit of control we think we have is fleeting. End quote. This insistence at Lent of taking our, Christ, our Christianity, our spirituality, taking it up to 11 and making ourselves as most holy as we can be is the very thing that gets God chuckling like a three-year-old at a potty joke. We, we sinners, we mortals, playing at fighting temptation, actually think we can get the salvation of ourselves and the salvation of the world right just one more time because for some reason, when Jesus said, it is finished, we call him a liar. As Western Christians, we play at temptation. We see temptation as these little things that are, that are trying to draw us into doing something that we've been told is naughty or wrong, uh, when all they are are things that we think we have the chance to control because they're small, they're tangible. I can put the chocolate down. I can put the remote down. If I can stop eating chocolate, then maybe I'll finally be a good person because apparently I don't like myself very much when I'm eating chocolate. Or coffee. Or pie. Or beer. Or carbs. Or cheese. I need to clean up my act or Jesus won't love me. If anything, those attempts at perfection or improvement are the things we need to give up. Those are the things we need to throw away. Those illusions of holiness are the things that need to be removed from our lives because what they do is become a fulfillment of the work the devil does against Jesus in distancing us as far as we can from God and his remedy. The most important words we have here in our gospel text, just as the devil speaks to Eve, as we heard in Genesis 3, saying, did God really say? Right? Well, here with Jesus, in our gospel reading, the most important words are, if you really are the Son of God. Never mind all the temptations. If you really are the Son of God. He's going after the Jesus who is and always will be. Uh, I don't believe you are the Son of God, Jesus. You could never be the Son of God. But do this parlor trick and maybe I'll believe you. We think the temptation of the rocks to bread is about dinner it's, or, or about food and provision. And, and in some ways it is. Trusting God that he still loves us and will take care of us in our time of need, which is where we get lost most of the time because we doubt God every day. Now the real temptation is calling God a liar. No, God, I don't believe that you have made me your own. I don't believe that I am yours and you are mine. I I don't believe that you love me even in my weakness, even in my mortality, even in my sin, even in my suffering. In fact, God, how can you be God when I'm stuck in the wilderness with no food or water? That is temptation. That is the devil's work. And then making it out to be something that we have to fix. Turn the rocks into bread. You can do it. You better because God is not going to take care of you. 
That is and should be our greatest fear when we get to that point. Not our overindulgence in chocolate or caffeine, but our thinking that all things are up to us now because uh, we should be able to get our, our salvation right when it comes to death and sin because we think it all depends on us. He goes after our safety and his attack on Jesus, placing him at the pinnacle of the temple. Do you not trust God to protect you from danger? If you really are loved by him, he will save you. So just step off the ledge. Prove that you are who he says you are. Do it. That's actually the equivalent of our if-then prayers. Don't lie to me. I know you've all done it. If you'll do this, God, then. Dot, dot, dot. I promise this time. Scout's honor. Promise. Trying to force God into a corner to make him do what we want him to do because we want what we want, when we want it, and can't be satisfied if he has other plans or if he's taking too long or if he's actually said no. The last temptation is self-explanatory. I'll give you everything that God has not given you if you will turn away from him and worship me. That's politics. That's bumper sticker theology. That is the corporate business world. That is Amazon and the next streaming service. What you have is not enough. I will give you more and then you will be mine. Or worse, I will be your savior because Jesus didn't do anything for you. Don't trust a dead God on a cross in an empty tomb. No real God could die and no one ever rises from the dead. Follow me and you will live forever. Those are the lies this world tells us. Lies to convince us that a Jewish Messiah could never be enough. We need the next government program to save us. We need the next charismatic preacher to throw us into a frenzy. We need, we need, we need something until the next tragedy, until the next scandal, until the next crisis comes along and proves that the politicians and and celebrities and all-star preachers were full of it. They can't do a thing for you. Hence, Jesus Christ being for you, even at your worst. Lent is not for you to find your way. It is not for you to make yourself right with God. It is not for you to offer God some less than potion of self-help to try and reach some new level of spirituality. Lent is a time, as Sarah wrote, to sit and rest in the old old story. To attach yourself to the one who took nails in a tree. To bask in the wonderment of the fact that on a hill outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, the creator of the universe allowed his creation to kill him, to save it from all its godlessness. When we try to intervene on our own behalf with our own ingenuity or power, what we give up is actually God himself and his power to save in Jesus. When Jesus answers the devil, he doesn't go on a long diatribe about uh, good and evil. He doesn't hand the devil a theology textbook and say, here, read this and come back and we'll have a conversation. He doesn't make excuses about how awesome he is or pound his chest and say, not today, Satan. No, he returns to the old story of God's word. 
He actually returns to his catechism, in fact, just if you're wondering. He goes to Deuteronomy. He recites the words that Jesus himself, the word of God made flesh, gives to Moses. The words that Mary and Joseph probably instructed him in as they bounced him on their knees. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that God has spoken of you, church. Every decision that God has made about you. Not about your ability to impress him with your personal holiness. You shall not test the Lord your God. Why? Because it won't end well. You will either be disappointed or he will. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Because he deserves all the worship. He deserves all the praise. He has already bought you and made you his own with or without your Lenten disciplines. On that hill called Calvary, he bled and died to take away all your sin, all your past, all your fears, all your desires to never have a God. And because of all that, as our catechism tells us, we are duty bound to thank, praise, serve, and obey him. Don't get hung up on the little things this Lent, church. Allow instead for the one who hung on the cross to take your life in his hands and never let you go. He already has taken hold of you. Just trust that your Lent this year is a good Lent because it will be in Jesus. Jesus Christ, the righteous one who has made you righteous and whole and perfect in his blood already. Happy Lent. Rest in Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.